This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be joined by Project Spurs editor Jonas Clark. In this episode, Jonas and I will discuss the Spurs in the last four games. More trade rumors. Jeremy shows so hands um, shooting improvement. So Spurs Cast listeners, unfortunately, y'all get me again on a, on a week where I'm having an upper upper respiratory infection. So sorry for my voice. Just something that's been happening this year lately. I don't know why. Uh, Jonas, how you doing though? I'm I'm doing all right, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. I mean, I'm doing well, but for some reason, my voice just keeps going out lately. This this entire season, I don't know what's going on here. All right, so Jonas, let's talk about the Spurs. Um, unfortunately, they're on a four-game losing streak right now, as you and I record on a Friday evening, which is like one of the few times that they're actually off. It just feels like they have a game almost every day this week. Uh, so let's go back to uh, last Friday. The Spurs are at home. They're hosting the Los Angeles Clippers. They lose by five in this game. They actually played really well. They they were they were close throughout against the Clippers. Uh, the Clips closed. Um, I mean held a held a close lead, and then they ended up holding on for the win. Uh, the spur of the game on this night was Zach Collins. He had a really good night for San Antonio. Then let's go to this week, and on Monday, uh, the Spurs lose by um, at Portland by twenty. It was a close game until three minutes left in the third quarter. That's what Portland kind of ballooned that lead up. And the best player in this game for San Antonio was Jeremy Sohan. On Wednesday, the Spurs are uh, go to Los Angeles. They play um, on the road at the Lakers. They lose this game by just nine points. Um, it was close until midway through the fourth. The Lakers kind of t- start to take control. Um, and then the spur of the game in this game was um, Zach Collins. And then the most recent game was a blowout. The Spurs are on the road on the second out of back-to-back. Multiple players are out. Uh, they lose by 38 to the Clippers. Um, like I said, basically, um, by, by the end of the first quarter, it was a double-digit lead, and we knew it was over from there. Uh, the, the best player for the Spurs, even though you, if you could find a best player, was Kelton Johnson with this night. So, so um, Jonas, the Spurs were supposed to go 0-4 according to Vegas. They went 0-4. Uh, what are your thoughts on this four-game losing streak for the team? Who's mad about it? I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, if, if you're playing the lottery odds, yeah, you're still sitting there. If you're the San Antonio Spurs, you're still fighting for – you know, one of the worst three records, which is, is is interesting. We didn't think, you know, everybody felt, you know, by and large that the Spurs would be the worst team in the NBA. And and to this point, while they might have the worst defense, they're still not the worst team. So uh, get collect these losses while you can, I guess, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the crazy thing we're going to talk about this here is that, like, they're still not able to move their positioning in the standings. Like, they're getting closer to um Charlotte, I think, who's, like, at 27. But they're not quite that in the bottom three where you want to be for the lottery. Um, So, yes, you're right. You know, they're 28th on offense right now, 30th in defense, 30th in net rating. They are 14 and 35 overall, 14th out west still. They still – Houston still does worse than them uh, no matter what after every week that I record a Spurs cast episode. They do have the fourth worst record in the league, which means 12.5% um, lottery odds for the number one pick. And this time, so last time when I had been on uh, last week for the episode, I clicked the the, the uh, Tankathon's draft simulator. It took me eight tries to get the Spurs with the number one pick. This time, Jonas, 19 tries I had to go through. 19 to get the number one pick for the Spurs. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, so that's <laughs> not good. Um, do you have any, any other comments about just kind of how their season's gone as a whole? I mean, look, uh, I, I think that the kind of the way that it's gone, especially considering the injuries, it, 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 it's – there's a lot of positives to take away. And given the injuries, you have gotten to see a little bit more of, of guys that you want to see moving forward. So Jakob being down back in December really allowed Zach Collins to find his footing after missing a lot there in November. So seeing his kind of, I guess, emergence, you know, and being able to put together back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back games 
of staying healthy. That's just been his biggest thing. And um, as you mentioned there right off the top, you know, in the, the last four games, two of those, he was the Spurs' best player on the court. So I think that when you look at those factors, because it's not about this season. It's about the future. You, uh, the, the concept of a tank isn't to be bad forever. It's to have one bad season, get your player, and then rebound right back out. And so I feel like when you, when you can look at the offense, of course the defense is atrocious, but it, it really seems like a lot of the teams across the NBA aren't playing defense either. Yeah. So yeah. if you're able to score still, and then the defense will come along. It's really hard to defend mm-hmm. in the NBA as young players, and they're figuring that out. Um, I think that you can look at the season so far and say there's a lot of positives, you know, not to, not to say that this is a good season by any means, but if you, when you're losing, you do have to look for your bright spots or the silver lining. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Especially like, like you said, players like Zach, just, you know, starting to, to just improve, especially that, that he's on a, on a multi-year contract here with San Antonio going forward into the future, especially if they end up trading Yaka Pertl. And speaking of trades, let's go ahead and get into some more trade rumors. Cause like I mentioned, this is kind of the one consistent thing that's happening from now until the trade deadline is every week. There's just a different rumor. So the big one this week um, was on Monday. It came out earlier in the week. Uh, it was by Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. Uh, he had some multiple, um, um, he had, and he's, he's a very reputable reporter, you know, really plugged in with sources. So he had some, some Intel on not only Hurdle, but also Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott, because there hasn't been a lot on, on those two players specifically. So here's the main takeaways from his article on Hoops Hype. Um, Michael Scotto says that for Pirtle, the asking price, of course, is what's been reported. That's two first round picks that the Spurs want for him. Uh, so some multiple executives told Scotto that they think the Spurs will get one, uh, but not two, just because of Pirtle's upcoming free agency status, where he can basically choose wherever he wants to go in the offseason. And, and um, I don't know if it was me and Ben or me and Joe or somebody, one of my prior guests, we've talked about that, how the Spurs don't have a lot of leverage there just because Jakob is a free agent. Uh, but the Spurs, of course, if they don't have to move Pirtle because they can also work out an extension with him if they want to keep him long term, like they, they say, you know, they're very interested in doing that. Well, that's always um, an option for the team. Now, there is a middle ground type deal that, that Spurs might explore is could be like a first round pick. Yes, for Pirtle and maybe like, like a young developing so- solid young player uh so, th- so that's a deal to look at according to scotto uh, as far as doug mcdermott um scotto reports that the spurs are seeking one or two second round picks um something that that i mentioned before is that i don't think the spurs are, are in any um any rush to, to move doug mcdermott i feel like if there's not a good package for him they don't have to just because they have him under contract next season now josh richardson apparently they're, they're they're looking for one second round pick now josh is a player they might have to move just because they, they could lose him in the offseason you know he's an unrestricted free agent so if they want to get something for him uh the most the best the the best choice is to just check, even if there's a second round pick for him. What are your thoughts, um, Jonas, on this article um, by Michael Scotto? Well, on Josh Richardson, starting with the last point there, I think that, especially contract is already figured out. I, I the Spurs have second round picks galore in the fu- in future in the upcoming drafts, and especially if this year and next year that Hornets pick, which doesn't look like it's going to convey this year. And then you get past next year, I think the year after, it becomes two second-rounders. Like, you don't need to pick up second-rounders at this point. I feel like Josh Richardson's his leadership, his professionalism is going to be more valuable to this team because um, it allow, he's a, he's, he is a professional through and through. And I feel like when Pop brings some of the young guys to the bench and puts Josh in, he's able to use him as an example as what to do. And I think I'd like to see that, you know, continue to happen throughout the rest of the season. I don't think that, that us, again, mortgaging, mortgaging 
knowledge and education of the players is really going to be worth a second round pick. And then I think it does right by him too, for the fact of uh, he's said multiple times he likes being in San Antonio. He's tweeted about it continuously. Um, and then let him control his future in the off season. I, I don't think that there's really going to be any strife of we hear three years from now on a podcast, somebody that, that Josh Richardson's upset about the Spurs for not trading him at this time of the year. Yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, so I think it's more, he's more valuable as like a teacher. He's approaching 30. He's a little bit, uh, he's not entirely past his prime. I think he still has more than enough left in the tank, but he's just not that piece that you're really, that I, I think that hot commodity, which is why you're looking at one second. And of course, given the contract situation, Doug McDermott, I mean, I think sell high now. And if you can get two second-round picks, we've seen shooters on this roster in the past have a really good year and fall off. Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, just a few in the last couple of years. If you can go ahead and get two seconds for him now, again, I don't I don't know that he's so much – because he's, he's a specialist. And I don't think a specialist has a whole lot to teach the young players. Josh Richardson's a little bit different. So I think that you can go ahead and move – Doug McDermott, um, give somebody else like Keldon Johnson an opportunity to shoot more threes. Romeo Langford, a little bit more opportunity to shoot more threes. Malachi Branham, more threes. And that opens up the future. And then Jakob Pertl, if, if you can't, if you don't get two ones for him, um, and especially I think the, the year of the draft is going to be important as to when those first rounds happen. Are you getting a first year in the Wembenyama lottery? Right? Or are you getting a first year in three years from now? Yeah. Um, and, and what what teams' picks are involved? Is that a one for one with a good team that's going to probably be a late first round, or is it, are you going to end up getting somebody who could flirt, be flirting with the lottery odds in a three team trade? Uh, but if it's if you don't get two firsts for for Jakob, I think again, there's there's something said for the Spurs wanting to keep him around. He is one of the best pick and roll centers in the game. I think that he has his flow here and. Players always have to be a little bit cautious, especially when you've ascended in a system like this. When you go away from the system, are you still that same player? Do you find yourself falling out of favor in the NBA in a year or two when you really had value and the Spurs can pay you $25 million to continue to play your role as, as a big man who's just limited to the paint? Because it's not like he spaces the floor a whole lot. Again, pick and roll game, that's one thing. But he's not shooting. He's not even taking mid-range shots for the most part. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then one thing I would just add is that, like, right now, Richardson and McDermott are just playing really well. I feel like every night they're like two. They're like they're like two of the like the top five players like in the in the team on the team each night, just because of how many players are out. And they've just been really impactful coming off the bench. I feel like Jakob is almost like it, it kind of feels like he's kind of kind of like flatlined for a while here. The last few the last few weeks, guys. But I also think it's more so because we've seen Zach Collins just playing so much better lately. So, um, but you're right. You know, there, there's all those different options that they can look at uh, in this. Um, as the trade deadline approaches here in a few weeks. All right, so now join us our last topic here. And I do want to apologize to the to the audience because um the stats I usually use are from NBA.com. And um and right now they're they're having some weird stuff going on. Like I said, like I told Jonas before off air, I was running my numbers and it's 
just not working. Like it kept, it kept saying no data or like players shooting numbers were missing in certain data sets. So I don't know what's going on with the NBA's data, but luckily we do have cleaning the glass. who's also a great site for data. And so I'm going to use their numbers, uh, um, Jonas, just to talk about this next topic, which is Jeremy Sohan's um, shooting improvement. So of course it's been noted multiple times now that he changed his shooting form back in December uh, on um, right before that Rockets game on December 19th. So before that game on December 19th, let's look at his numbers. He was shooting 41% from the, from the free throw line. Um, Corner threes, he was shooting 21%, and then non-corner threes, 15%. So, you know, we, we know that he was struggling um, with his jump shot. Then comes that that new shooting form where he shoots with one hand, and he's now shooting 75% from the free throw line since doing that. Um, he doesn't really take a lot of corner threes, so, you know, he hasn't made one since that, since making that change. But his non-corner three accuracy is also starting to improve. He's shooting 45% now on um, non-corner threes. So, again, I know that's not sustainable, but... We have seen that he's become more confident in his shot, his jump shot. Now that he's a, now that that free throw um, shot is going through. What are your thoughts, Jonas, on um, Jeremy's kind of offensive improvement overall because of just that added layer of the, of the shooting um, joining joining his scoring? Yeah, I think a lot of it really just comes from he's becoming very familiar in the system. Um, and time is everything; <laughs> uh, it truly is. But. Uh, I think the other part of it, too, is when he, he's becoming more comfortable. Uh, I threw this out maybe about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where it really just seemed like Jeremy Sohan would always come out hot out of the gate, looked like he was going to be crazy involved, rattle off six to eight quick points, and then just fade down the rest of the stretch. And you can kind of see that when you look at his breakdown over at basketballreference.com, for example, and you just look at his first quarter shot attempts. You know, it's 20 more than any other quarter. And then it just kind of tapers off from there. And by the fourth, he's non-existent. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that now, he, you know, he has or Pop has his ear a little bit more about being a little bit more aggressive. And he's, he's finding the flow. And then, you know, it's something as simple as the free throws, right? The one-handed free throws. And you start to see the ball, you see the ball go through the basket a couple times. You get a little bit more confident. It's not, especially for somebody who plays in the, around the rim so much. Right, and then you and you are aggressive, and you're not getting fouled, getting that kind of hack a shack, and you get you feel that you go to the line and you're struggling there, and that just kind of weighs on you a little bit more because you're not doing the small things. I think that it's, he's just starting to put it together, and um, when you look at the the conversation around him around the league, you know, uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connor earlier really had some positive, you know, mm-hmm. um, feedback on on, the, on on Jeremy because. It's he's he's finding his stride and he's he's becoming that lottery pick that the Spurs drafted. Yeah, and I will say too, like I have this database that I created where like I run just all the players' numbers in the Spurs. And originally, like he was like bottom, like like I'd say like seven to like ten ish in in that rot- in that and just 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 the box score numbers. He's starting to pop up, like he's almost close to the top five now. He's like behind Kelton, behind um, Vassell, Jones, uh, Pirtle. Yeah, I think he's actually ahead of Richardson McDermott now, and that's in that database. So I think that he's like showing to be like he's starting to become one of their top, you know, one of their their, their key players here, and that's good considering he's only a rookie, he's only nineteen years old. I mean, this is just year one for him, so that's that's a really good sign for him that he's actually being impactful on both sides of the court in just his rookie season. And like you said, this season's not about winning. It's about development. And this is good that he's not just wasting a year. Um, You know, he's actually progressing as we've seen it, not only with the shooting, but just all over the court, like you said, with his aggressiveness, um, even by, by quarter by quarter. All right, so um, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and call this um, an episode. Thank you to Jonas for joining me on this episode of the Spurs Cast. I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia uh, for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. Uh, again, those of you that listened to bear through this, thank you all because I know that my voice, you know, hopefully it'll come back soon. Thanks, Jonas. Thanks.